On this edition of the program, the absolute latest on the twisted metal battle royale that is the hunt for the next Republican Speaker of the House. And is no labels attempting to hold the presidential election hostage? Their mortal enemies say yes. It's all coming up. This is made possible by Oh Them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, and Craig. Welcome, everybody, to the Politics, Politics, Politics program for Wednesday, October 25th, 2023. Spooky, scary skeletons are coming to your house. They're all running for speaker of the aforementioned house. Uh, Boy, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to the speaker race. But before we do, I want to bring up this story here for you. Because... It's my uh, my own personal fascination with no limits. Uh, uh, no limit. <laughs> I am a no label soldier. I am going to make him say, oh, when it comes to the idea of a third party that is launched, not by the grassroots, but literally just a bunch of people in D.C. So uh, here, here we go. We're talking about no labels. Let's let's go over what is No Labels. No Labels is a organization that's been in DC for a while. You would compare them to the Problem Solvers Caucus, the late Problem Solvers Caucus, who found problems that were not solvable and have since dissolved after Speaker McCarthy was ousted. But No Labels wanted to recruit moderates from either party and it is based on the idea that our country America is center left or center right that is the overarching guidance of this that you should not be too one way or another and they've worked within the parties up until now now no labels sees a lot of uh, uh, signs up to and including the fact that both people running for president have been president before that there is a high polling average of people who say that they want somebody other than Donald Trump or Joe Biden to be their president. And so they have worked for the last several months to secure ballot access throughout the country. This is usually the thing that stymies third parties. Third parties uh, uh, normally have a, a issue with that, but not here. Here they, they've, uh, they've done it. Now, maybe you haven't heard of No Labels, but you probably heard it if you have listened to this show before. And the reason why you've heard about No Labels is because unlike every other third party in the country, No Labels has its every move blanketed and analyzed 
by not just the media, but the ruling party of the Democratic establishment, the White House, and all the attendant organizations that will make up the vanguard of Biden 2024. They loathe no labels. And they have attempted to strangle this effort in the crib for as long as they've been doing it. No labels has. So one of those organizations is Third Way. We'll get back to them in a second. But let's get to what No Labels said this week. They put out a polling presentation. We will take a look at this polling presentation. It's nice. It's like a a PowerPoint. And at the top of this, it's voters do not want a 2020 rematch between Trump and Biden. 72% say that the U.S. needs an alternative if Biden and Trump are nominated. 72% don't want Biden to run. 63% don't want Donald Trump to run. And 63% are open to a moderate independent ticket. And they got a bunch of numbers and reasons why both of these candidates are uniquely vulnerable. For Biden, it's a failing economy, too old to serve, unelectable approval numbers, and Hunter Biden's implication impeachment inquiry. For Trump, it's ongoing legal troubles, potential felony conviction, unfit to serve, and his personality. But in this polling presentation, which I'm assuming is going out to rich people, is something interesting. For the first time, no labels suggest that they would run a ticket with a Republican on top. And they do this in a presentation of polling, which shows in the states of Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, that if it's just a straight up Biden versus Trump with leaners, then it's Trump winning Arizona, Florida, Georgia. Toss ups in Michigan, Nevada, North Carolina with Biden slightly up in their polling. Pennsylvania being a Biden plus five and Wisconsin being a Trump win. Now, those are interesting. It, it's kind of crazy to think that if. Donald Trump is winning Wisconsin plus four that there's a nine point stretch between Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and even a a five point stretch between Wisconsin and Michigan. Those states tend to cluster with each other, but still it is what it is with a Democrat on top. It's a Trump route. No labels has Trump winning Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Michigan, toss up, and they don't say what would would be the leaner there. North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Trump, Trump, Trump. But with a Republican on top, they have a toss up in Arizona, toss up in Florida, toss up in Georgia, toss up in Michigan. Nevada would be the independent candidate plus six. So 
the, the concept of winning one of these states is not out of place for no labels, at least based on this pitch. North Carolina is Trump plus three. Pennsylvania would be a bigger win for Joe Biden at plus seven. And Wisconsin would be an independent plus one. So all that's interesting. And, you know, No Labels is a pretty well-funded organization, but they could always use more money. And that's probably what this is about. But remember when I said that the only reason why anyone ever talks about No Labels, including why I'm talking about it right now, is because it has a coterie of people that hate it? Well, the organization that I mentioned, Third Way, Third Way, has made another meal of what No Labels is saying. They call this polling presentation a, quote, dramatic shift in strategy. Specifically, Third Way argues that this approach of using a Republican presidential candidate to target eight swing states is intended to deny both Trump and Biden a 270 electoral vote majority. Third Way accuses no labels of plotting to use their potential handful of electoral votes to play the kingmaker. Quote, no labels believes that that would give them leverage to cut a deal by promising their elector support to whichever major candidate deems or they deem more worthy third way contends that this would be a horrifying outcome quote a contingent election in the house would create chaos in the wake of the big lie in the january 6th insurrection the danger of a scheme designed to pressure faithless electors into voting as if as they're instructed by a small group of elites is self-evident Third way notes that the election would end up getting tossed to the House, which in such a situation votes by state delegations almost certainly ensure a Trump victory. Okay, so the fact that third way and no labels hate each other is not news. They always hate each other. And uh, I got some background on this earlier today. Uh, Spoiler alert. It's it's D.C. Uh, There's a personal small town beef with members of the democratic establishment and somebody at the head of no labels to get into it would be to bore you. But if this continues to be an issue, we might be forced to let's look at this idea though, because one of the things that has always been at the top of anybody's tongue when the issue of no labels is brought up is who they would run for president. And there was one man who has been tied to the No Labels organization for a very, very, very long time. And that person is Joe Manchin. However, if this polling presentation makes it clear that they would want a Republican at the top of the ticket, well, that would seem to preclude Joe Manchin from being at the top. Because even if Joe Manchin were to switch parties today, well, he would still have to run on the fact that he voted for most of what Joe Biden wants to do. So legislatively, he really wouldn't have any leg to stand on. And by the way, legislation is the only reason why anyone would pay attention to him. Similar for Kirsten Cinema, 
So, let's take a look. If you're going to put a Republican on top, who would fit the bill for moderate Republican? That's what they're looking for. They're looking for a moderate Republican. Well, let's rummage through the, the, the scratch and dent bin here. Liz Cheney. Can I interest you in a Liz Cheney? She's got her own super PAC. She's going to be on the road a lot, maybe. Uh, first female president. Somebody that would probably pull below Hillary Clinton in terms of likability. Can I interest you? No. Can't interest you. Okay. Well, Larry Hogan, governor of Maryland, Purple State. That's somebody that flirted with running in the primary. He's tied to no labels. Let's put him aside for a second. How about New Hampshire's Chris Sununu? Flirted with running for Senate? Didn't. Flirted with running for president? Didn't. Maybe he wants to do something even bigger. You know, he's got to live free or he dies after all. It's on his license plate. Okay, dream big, dream big, dream big. How about somebody that's inside Beltway Circles, rising star, and looked at as a unique moderate with hot electoral momentum? Possibly really hot electoral momentum after this November. Yeah, I'm talking about Glenn Youngkin. Glenn Youngkin, governor of Virginia. We covered him on this show. We all we went all the way out to Virginia. Of course, that would involve him sacrificing his entire Republican career for a very, 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 very slim chance of being president. But, you know, stranger things have happened. Oh, wait, we're hearing no. Stranger things have not happened. Okay, that would be the strangest thing. So, yeah. Probably unlikely. You need somebody that had national name recognition. Somebody that harkened back to a bygone era. One that both Republicans and Democrats would say, man, you want to know what? I kind of wish we would have went with this guy. Somebody that's just announced that they're not going to run for their Senate seat again. Somebody who has a new book out called A Reckoning. I mean, he didn't write it, but he did sit down for 45 interviews over two years. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. If the no labels party needs a moderate Republican to run for president, well, did somebody forget them mittens? What if one last time Mitt Romney attempts to turn this absolutely haggard never-before-seen rematch of Trump versus Biden into a three-way dance of candidates for president. 
Oh boy, it's not going to happen. But wouldn't that be interesting? This is your update brought to you by TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Guys, news is moving fast. It's good to have two bonus episodes a week. Just saying. We're going to have some guest hosts coming up. Guess what? You still get bonus episodes then. And anytime that there will be breaking news, even when I'm on vacation, and it's going to go to the $3 club. You head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com and you sign up at the $3 club. Three bucks a week. Less than a cup of coffee. At least out here. Would you buy me one cup of coffee a week so I could talk another hour and a half worth of politics with you? Well, I think you would. I hope you would. Let's get into the update. Jenna Ellis, a former attorney for the Donald Trump 2020 campaign, pled guilty to a felony charge for making false statements about election fraud to Georgia lawmakers. This makes her the third attorney aligned with Trump to plead guilty to crimes related to the 2020 election. She follows Sidney Powell and Kenneth Cheesebro. The trio were initially charged alongside Donald Trump in a broad racketeering conspiracy. Ellis's plea could provide crucial testimony that may reshape the ongoing case against Trump. In her court appearance, Ellis admitted that she had supplied false information related to multiple allegations of voter fraud in the 2020 election in Georgia. She agreed to cooperate with prosecutors in future proceedings and will serve five years of probation, pay $5,000 in restitution and write a letter of apology. Despite these guilty pleas, a lawyer for Trump argues that the prosecution's willingness to drop the racketeering charge against Ellis weakens the existing indictment against the former president. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an amateur lawyer. I'm an amateur political scientist. So in my amateur opinion, I have no idea what this means. But it is interesting that it seems like not only... Are all of these lawyers cooperating, but Trump has yet to fry them. Normally, that happens, so I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Let's talk about one of our favorite distractions here in the House. When the Republicans aren't fighting with each other, they are laughing at New York's 3rd Congressional District Representative, George Santos. His seat is in flux because, uh, blink and you miss it, Santos is coming up to the end of his first term, a term which saw him face multiple criminal fraud charges. Both Democratic and Republican parties are actively preparing for potential special elections with about 30 candidates from both sides of the aisle expressing interest in Santos's seat. This race is crucial as it is one of the six battleground house races in New York that could impact the balance of power in Congress. Meanwhile, Santos himself remains defiant, pledging to run for re-election despite facing expulsion measures and dwindling campaign funds. Several prominent figures are entering or considering the race, complicating an already crowded field. Former Democrat Representative Tom Suozzi has declared his intention to run, and other seasoned politicians like Senator Jack Martins are also potential contenders. 
While Democrats seem to have a funding and recognition advantage, both parties are strategizing for various scenarios, including a low turnout special election, a June primary and a November general. The potential for redistricting adds another layer of complexity to the race, making it one of the most closely watched contests in the upcoming election cycle. And we can confirm to you here that Santos's mystery baby is not old enough to run. As the Israeli Defense Force contemplates a incursion into Gaza, An 85-year-old Israeli woman who was recently released by Hamas after weeks of captivity described the group's underground tunnel system as akin to a spider web. Yoshivet Lifshitz was captured during the early stages of the war initiated by Hamas with a surprise attack on Israel, which led to more than 1,400 Israeli casualties. She stated that while she quote-unquote went through hell during her time in captivity, including being beaten, Hamas militants were otherwise reasonable once they were hostages. In addition to her account of her captivity, Lifshitz criticized Israel's internal security service, Shin Bed, for not taking threats of Hamas seriously. According to her, the lack of response from Shin Bed and the Israeli Defense Force has debt or had detrimental consequences for the hostages. Of course, Israel has escalated its aerial assaults on Gaza and is completely contemplating a ground invasion. U.S. officials warn that this could complicate hostage relief efforts. There are still hundreds of hostages being held by Hamas within Gaza, including several Americans. Obviously something to watch there. Um, You know, be safe out there when you're commenting on uh, Israel. In Palestine. It's. (laughs) All I'm going to say is this. I've seen a lot of people. Smart people. Friends of mine. Just really confidently go out there. And explain the situation. Now. I followed this. For as long as it's been an issue. In American politics. And if there's one thing. That I could not describe this as. It is uncomplicated. So, good luck, everybody. And that is your update. Again, takepoliticsseriously.com is where you need to go. $3 level gets you two modus podcasts each and every week. Let's get back to the show. Our guest today is a congressional reporter for, among other outlets, Wired and Raw Story. He literally ran right off the hill to come talk to us. He is running right back to the hill to go cover more of this speaker fight. But one note, honestly, it it is comical how fast this stuff moves. At the end of our conversation, the news breaks that Tom Emmer, the speaker designate, has dropped out. So we we refer to him throughout this entire interview as a dead man walking. He has, in fact, died, or at least his hopes that the speaker have died. But let's go ahead and welcome Matt into the program. Welcome to the show, Matt. 
Thanks for having me. So let's, I mean, I feel like we're going to have to just publish this immediately uh, after we get done talking because oh, yeah. all of this news ages like milk. Uh, where are we right now? A a big day of back and forth. We have a new speaker designate, but for how long? Well, as one Republican put it, we're right back where we started. <laughs> so... Literally. And that Republican was Congressman Troy Nels in Texas, who came out of this morning's numerous different voting rounds saying, all right, Emmer is now Tom yeah. Emmer from Minnesota. He's now speaker designate. But he was like, hey, on that last vote where the party just kind of wanted to test, you know, so it was yeah. just him on the ballot. Let me pull that. This morning it started with, I guess, nine people running that quickly mm -hmm. went to eight and then it quickly went down to the two. So Emmer had it. The vote was 107 to 56 for um, this guy, Johnson, yeah. I believe, but whatever. There's like five Johnsons. And it doesn't no. even matter which one. Because nobody running today really mattered, except for now we have Emmer. And so Emmer is now Speaker-designate, just like Steve Scalise was Speaker-designate. <laughs> Jordan like Speaker-designate, speaker yeah. So this congressman from Texas, Troy Nels, he came out saying, all right, now that they had the vote where it was just Emmer on the ballot and he fell woefully yeah. short, he was like, he was like, I'm nominating Trump. Which for speaker and he's like, That's it's funny that you mentioned uh, uh, the former president of the United States, because shortly after, I guess it was last night, word came out that he said that you want to know what he liked. Jordan. Jordan was his guy. He liked McCarthy. McCarthy was his guy from here on out. Right. Just pretend he's not here. You guys in the house sort stuff out. Uh, today, Emmer becomes speaker designate, and almost immediately we get a lengthy Truth Social post saying that Emmer is a rhino, and to make him speaker of the house would be a tremendous tragedy. So he's he's now in. Wait, that almost sounds. Wait, that almost sounds like Trump doesn't know anything about politics or governing. Uh, <laughs> I think I think he that. knows about what he thinks at this exact moment. And while he was in, I, I guess he was looking for something to, to do while he was in court today and decided that sinking Tom Emmer was going to be a fun way to pass the time. Matt Gates, who voted for Emmer uh, reportedly within the conference, then says, well, we need to listen to the president of the United States. And just because you have 27 people, that was probably enough to doom him from the jump, but now we have, we have this. Yeah. So uh, here's what I want to ask you before this vote happened, this big round, there was a pledge circulating. Byron Donald signed it. A few others uh, essentially saying, look, we need somebody. Can we agree that the next speaker designate, we will, we'll, we'll get the votes. We get a speaker and then we, and then we move forward. Obviously that did not get enough signatures on this particular go round. Do you think that there is a will building for that? Or are we still at this circular firing squad that we've seen from the very beginning? Are there any cracks forming? Well, I can give you this after palling around with what? couple hundred maybe 150 or whatever reporters in the cramped hall outside of the house republican confab this morning and early afternoon i was like 
there's no news yeah. here. <laughs> so I walked over to the Senate side and got Senate Republicans. And there, yes, the crack is okay. starting to form because you're having Senate Republicans saying, hey, our party looks like an yes, show. Exactly. You know, like we look like a, we're coming out of a clown car um, because we knew, you know, when a lot of these Republicans ran um, kind of like Rick Perry, except for they can actually remember the names of the that they'd like to cut. Yeah, exactly. Have. They're not going to lose one. Do away with. So a lot of these Republicans came in not being afraid of shutting down the government. If anything, that's kind of what yeah. they ran on, you know, shutting down large, large swaths of it, which now have extended to the ever expanding deep yep. state, which once they're going after Trump, deep state is now the FBI, Homeland Security, everyone. And so that's where you're starting to see like, all right, the dogs caught the car. Yeah. Good job. You got that car. What are you going to do with it? And that's where you are seeing, again, Senate Republicans, uh, of course, Romney. Yeah. He was just a few years back. He was the GOP presidential candidate. Um, so there's still some of those Romneyites in the party. And that's kind of been the interesting yeah. thing. I just talked with Congresswoman, pardon me, Senator Cynthia Lummis. She used to be, she's a Wyoming senator now, but she used to be in the House Freedom mm -hmm. Caucus when she was in the House. And I was like, hey, has this been coming? Have we known this is coming? And she's like, yeah, this is a decade long or about a decade, maybe 15 years in the making fight with the GOP. And that's where, you know, Trump is always the big X factor because remember, he's a liberal Democrat from New yeah. York City who just co-opted the weakest party around. And so even asking other senators, Senate Republicans, like, what does conservative mean to you? Is conservative like balancing the budget? Because Trump didn't yeah. do that. Or is conservative guilty to Trump? Because that's where a lot of the pushback or some of the pushback against Emmer is that, oh, he voted to certify the 2020 election. So he's an apostate in the contemporary uh, yeah. GOP. But we're wondering what's grand about this party. Uh, at least a lot of Republicans on the Hill are. Well, I mean, the, the Senate looking down on the House would would be very dog bites man, because uh, almost as institutions, that is sort of the way that things work. What what is seemed to me to be uncontrovertible is there's no overarching leadership. You read old books about politics and especially the House and the Senate. And normally there is somebody yeah. And I would have thought that, that, number one, we saw that there's not that bipartisan figure or a group of bipartisan figures that could have headed off the vacation of Kevin McCarthy to begin with. You, you would have thought in, in, in bygone eras of D.C. history, somebody would have sat down with somebody and said, all right, can we can we get on the same page here? We don't need to totally derail the uh, government for however long that this is going to happen. That obviously doesn't exist. But there's also nothing in the Republican party. I've got plan I've got plan A right You've here. You've got plan A. You are you are now holding up uh this is the motion to vacate. This is motion to vacate which I found in the bathroom <laughs> 2 weeks before he actually dropped the motion to vacate. So this is Matt Gates's dirty little plan A and my question's always been like, "Oh, maybe he just didn't print out 
the other pages. Yeah. No. <laughs> accomplish this. I don't. I can't think for these folks because these folks can't even think for themselves. Well, and yeah. I mean, and, and, and there's no overarching guidance. There's nobody that has a wisdom of the organization to say, you don't want this. You might think you want this. And I'm, and look, enmity is real. Feuds are real. That, that that's been around in, in, in DC forever. What seems to be missing is anybody that thinks two steps ahead of what do you think is going to happen? So let's, let's go back to Tom Emmer for a second. There has been yes, some conversation around the idea. Now he is the speaker designate that, Maybe he is a candidate for the fabled uh, uh, bipartisan agreement that maybe he gets Democratic votes for uh, the, the the speakership. Is that anything that is possible based on what you have uh, uh, surmised? That's the funniest thing. Talking like I'm curious whether that's a plant by the more freedom caucus members mm. because literally once you say someone's even reaching out yeah. and like oh open to getting democratic votes boom they're yeah. gone like literally that's what they said about mccarthy and like as senator tim kane told me a few weeks back yeah pardon me, a couple weeks back he said speaker or kevin mccarthy would still be speaker if he shut down the government yeah. And that's where that was the test. If he reached across the aisle to Democrats, boom, they were going to pull the motion to vacate, which ended up happening. Yeah. And so I think that's what the Republican Party is dealing with. And again, it's not just the House. When I asked the Senate Republicans, it's not just a chamber thing. I'm like, hey, the only spot in the nation or the, pardon me, the only spot in Washington where Republicans are in control They've shut it down. Yeah. I'm like, you guys go and make your pitch next year, presidential election. Hey, let us govern everything. Uh, what do you, what do you have to show for it? Well, we sh- shut the house down for at least three weeks. Like, the math is starting to look bad for the whole party. But again, that's using rational math, and we have to remember a lot of these. Um, the people on the far right, they ran. And even some of them, like MTG, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene from Georgia, they were reelected on, hey, send us there to tear it all but down. Marjorie Taylor Green, so, Marjorie Taylor Greene has been a moderate force throughout this entire time. She's been she's been on the side of Kevin McCarthy. She was on the side of the continuing resolution. She was on the side of stopping him from getting vacated. And yep. she has done. Yep. Uh, I mean, like, as far as anyone would expect of Marjorie Taylor Greene, she's been a fairly middle of the road Republican. That's that's the bizarre world. We're yeah. In. And so, like, how do you do math? Like, because we all know. AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she's far left, or, you know, far left progressive. If she is in the middle, that's like, whoa, so strange. Well, but, but MTG is now in the middle. Matt, and that's let me, let me, let me ask you this, though, because this does not seem yes, ideological to me. 
This seems very personal. This seems about as political as who microwaved fish in in, in the office uh, lunchroom. Like th- this is this is not about anybody's personal policies, right? Yeah, this is this is about no screw you, no screw you, and everybody is finding out. Apparently, we're going to go one through one by one throughout every Republican in the House to find out if anybody has less than five enemies, and we're going to find out no, everybody has at least six enemies, so nobody could be elected because they're popular the question is what happens after that see and i might be wrong here but i feel like when i've asked matt gates about this um and he you know he's good enough at his job yeah. of being a politician to evade or not answer but i'm like so all right this is just personal right uh and actually it was me holding this yes. his motion to vacate my hand being like so this is yours like this now seeing it was the week after or within like seven, 10 days of them ousting McCarthy. Yeah. It was like, all right, so you didn't have a plan B. Like this was just animosity towards him. But I think that's where the dominoes fell within the party. Yeah. Because Gates, them, they hated McCarthy. Once they got McCarthy out, well, you could have Scalise who's kind of McCarthy light, but people really, you know, the, the many in the party, you know, the Fox News folks, the Newsmax, they all wanted uh, Jim, Jordan. Jim Jordan. Yeah. You know, he's not as a firebomb thrower and like he lands punches. Uh, sorry for the mixed metaphors. That's fine. That's what we do. It's the Republican Party. Oh, no, I got like six mixed metaphors going at Let's once. Go. Right? Let's go. Let's go. Layer them down. And so like, they got rid of McCarthy. And then Scalise, oh, he probably could have easily gotten it, except, oh, he was tied to McCarthy for some and others really wanted Jordan because now it was over. Well, and, and, and McCarthy hated him, you know, cause that, that's, that's the thing that, that, that's, that's, that's the thing that, that has been fascinating with all this is that every time we get past another speaker, it or speaker designate, it doesn't end without a consequence because everybody who didn't get it, Starting with McCarthy, McCarthy's now like, all right, if I don't have it, then it's certainly not going to be Scalise because I don't think Scalise went hard enough for me when I got uh, the, the, the job. And so he knifed Scalise. So Scalise doesn't get it. So all the people that were for Scalise are like, no, I'm not going to let the next guy get it. So he scuttles the Jordan one. So then Jordan doesn't get it. And now we're out here with McCarthy people pissed, Scalise people pissed and Jordan people pissed. And they're all pissed at each other. We, we are. And now we, we get to more and more people that will not sign on, but something at some point of, eventually theoretically has to give i've got it all right you just said jordan jordan yeah i'm from chicago i'm like come on guys this is time to bring 45 back there we go (laughs) number 23 from north carolina (laughs) shooting guard michael jordan no 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 he won't be 23 he won't be that good he'll just be he'll he'll be 45 he'll be 45 (laughs) got you okay well let me let me ask you one name but yeah, pardon me. They actually might at this point, and I think you are starting to see more um, thinking like this within House Republicans. We're starting to be like, all right, we might not be able to get anyone within our conference, so we might have to look out. And it might not be with that Texan Troy Nels is calling yeah. for with Trump. Yeah, but if they look outside of that conference, where you're right, knives are out. They might be able to find someone there, but then. Earlier today in the Senate Republican lunches, 
Condi Rice, Condoleezza Rice went there and spoke. And like yeah. five, 10 years ago, she would have been heralded as this like, yeah. bipartisan queen. And now she's loathed in the GOP. So like the party has changed so drastically. I can't think of one person out there who could, you know. Well, let me, let me, let me. Let me road test. Let me road test one name within the conference before we start looking outside of it, because there is only sure. Yeah. Guy Ritchie or yeah, no Guy Ritchie's the director. Anyway, Bob Ritchie, that's his name. Uh, 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 he can just be full of uh, shrapnel of Bud Lights and make his way onto the floor of the house and be the speaker of our dreams. Uh, there's only one member of the Republican leadership of your, of Kevin McCarthy that has not announced that they want to be speaker or become speaker designate and failed. And that's Elise Stefanik of New York. The New York delegation has proven to be something that has been heavily courted by each and every one of this, uh, these, these speaker designates. Uh, I've always kind of thought from, from the earliest days of this, that uh, one way to spray perfume on this turd sandwich is to make the first woman, uh, uh, speaker of the house for the Republicans. Yeah. Uh, she's loved by Trump. She is in yeah. more of a, uh, 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 by uh, more of a combative district than somebody like Marjorie Taylor green, who is, would yeah. be reelected even if she turned into a werewolf. Uh, is is it Stefanic time? Are we out of any other options that she feels like she would be trying to leapfrog now she, she can uh, be a peacemaker? Well, see, and so she's wisely been quiet in all of this. Yeah. And if you hearken back to the not speaker Paul Ryan days, but in the Paul Ryan middle fingers in the air, like, I don't want that gavel days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the reason he got that gavel is because he distanced himself from it. And so she, I've been watching her. I used to cover her for um, WSKG, uh, Binghamton, New York's NPR station. And so I was very curious over the past few years, watching her kind of sidle up to Trump, uh, you know, ever so much at first, then she really tied herself to him. And that kind of surprised me, except a situation like this. And you could kind of tell yeah. that she had her eyes set higher. We'll see, because that's kind of a similar strategy that the guy, the current speaker pro tem, Patrick McHenry. McHenry. Carolina, yeah. That's kind of what he seems to be playing as well. But actually, I think with him, he genuinely doesn't want it. <laughs> like, yeah. Seems like a policy wonk. He's right now. Well, he, I think he still is, but chair of the finance or financial services committee. So like, we'll, we'll see, we'll see eventually when they start working yeah. again. Yeah. So I know that the far right of the party has rejected McHenry. Um, even though many in the middle and whatnot have been kind of making that, uh, Stefanik, argument for lack of a better term and so we'll see because he's already got the gavel i think at some point everyone just shrugs and says we won we got rid of mccarthy and like we didn't vote for this guy but whatever he's got the gavel you can run the house that's that's the that's the question is that 
and and it goes to your point that it seems like there are several many kisses of death that have happened in this process. There is being too close to Trump. There's being too far away from Trump. There's being uh, uh, on Kevin McCarthy's good side on Kevin McCarthy's bad side. Almost everything is a liability when you are trying to please so many people who quite simply hate each other. But for McHenry, the question had become, well, he's already pro tem Democrats would agree to at least let him move things along. There are bipartisan things. By the way, the world's on fire. Uh, uh, you could be doing things that would be benefiting not only the United States, but the world at large. And that seemed to become the kiss of death. Because as soon as you started talking about, oh, the the Democrats would be in favor of it. And I think, you know, uh, we, we are still going to see, I think for years, uh, the the reverberations of that motion to vacate. And I oh, think yeah. that the Democrats are eventually going to come to regret having done it. Not only because, as I said on the show before, they made a guy in Matt Gates's image. And right now, Matt Gates is a Republican from Florida, but there is no guarantee that eventually he's not going to be a Democrat from the Bronx or a Democrat but from California. But here's the wild thing. And I think Democrats were waiting for this. And yeah. now they're kind of chomping at the bit for it. But McCarthy, remember, he went 15 rounds in January. Yeah. He took 15 yeah. embarrassing rounds, and then boom, he got it. He only went one round this time. So I was thinking about this earlier on the way home. There was a world where this can end up with McCarthy still as speaker. <laughs> um, I, I mean, the, it's still uh, above the door. And every time I walk by there every morning, I'm like, well, that's wrong. <laughs> but I've been doing it for 20 some odd mornings. Maybe yeah. they it up because they know more than we do. Like, I, as they rifle through everyone in the party, who else wants it? And like, he was a good foil for the far right. <laughs> like, look, he's well, yeah, he's bad. Well, Without the let's let's yeah let's let's never mind that he was Trump's handpicked guy right you know and and obviously Kevin McCarthy has a lot of ill will on the hill for for being somebody without a a a conscience at least to those who don't like him but but let me let me let let me ask you so that is politics yeah it was it was really funny to see him on Meet the Press this week because it was the first time that I think you actually saw this like Michael Douglas and falling down version of him yeah. where, where he was just like, no, you want to know what? Uh, uh, this is insane. I'm supporting X, Y, or Z, but I'm not going to hold my tongue. I'm just going to tell you like normally people in this situation and Kevin McCarthy, who knows how to play the game more than anybody. Uh, uh, when asked the question, well, what would you do in this situation? He would demur. He'd say, look, Tom Ember's yeah. a great guy. I'm going to leave it to him. I'm going to let him spell out his uh, uh, point of view. He wouldn't try to undercut him. No, he went on like a 20 minute monologue. Yeah. Well, here's what I would have done. I would have given this money to Israel. I wouldn't have waited for the big hundred billion dollar package. I would have done X, Y, and Z. Uh, I don't no, no, let me, let me, let me, let me because yeah. they don't forget the reason they have the majority for better and for worse is because of McCarthy's insane fundraising. And fundraising, like, yeah. A lot of those members have their seats because of him. They're, we'll see, because maybe the donors these days, this is where I always, I'm a professor on the side, I always play devil's advocate with myself. Yeah. And we'll see, because uh, part of me is like, no, those same donors would line up 
with anyone else, but then maybe not. Sometimes they have to be wooed. I mean, in, in, in fundraising, you know, you never know, like everybody keeps rolling along until somebody dies and their widow doesn't want to start chucking yep. out money. Like they used to like Sheldon Adelson. It's like all of a sudden uh, 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 the money is there until it's not, you have to make uh, Hey, yeah. well, the sun is high. Uh, uh, all right. One, one last question here. We have now gotten to yet another phase of futility. We are almost out of leadership, save for Stefanik. We, I think, are what, into the teens on how many days left we have before the government shuts down again. Uh, that this is the, from the continuing resolution that got Kevin McCarthy vacated to begin with. That might be wrong. There might be uh, 20-ish or 24 days or something. Okay, something that like that. Legislative days. Whatever. But we're close. Yeah. We're close. Uh, uh, is there anything that you see in what has happened or what is happening now or the conversations that are happening in the hallways that makes you think that we are any closer to a resolution on this? The only thing is the frustration bubbling up and you're seeing it from uh, house members. And like some of them have already been mm-hmm. frustrated. Um, but what? Who is it? Chip Roy told me the first Wednesday. So what? McCarthy got ousted on that Tuesday, October 3rd. So on October 4th. Yep. No, I think it was that night, October 3rd. Chip Roy told me if we don't, and he's a Texas Republican, very yeah, uh, loud, uh, loud, loved. All he's, he's 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 actually my congressman. They they carved up a portion of Austin, so I'm I'm in I'm in the one blue sliver that uh, that that uh, that Chip Roy's district is in. Well, so Chip Roy told me back then, October fourth, so twenty or third, twenty one days ago, he told me uh, we will have failed as a Republican Party if within a week we do not have a new speaker. So according to the Chip Roy standard, Republicans have yeah. been failing daily, daily, daily since the election. Yes. Failure, failure, failure. And that's what I'm trying to do. A lot of people in the press corps like keep moving with them, gaming out the new scenario. And I'm like, yeah. no, 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 no. Let's go by what these lawmakers told us way back at the beginning. And if Back then, this, yeah. Right now, Matt Gates is, you know, a little quiet as a church mouse, so they say. We should be talking to him and talking to those eight every day saying, all right, Uh, this is what you wanted. Um, Except we just are. Are we are we getting for all the stuff that was said for everything that was there about uh, omnibus bills and uh, the way that Congress runs? It's like, is any of those goals any closer? Are are any of those goals any closer to coming to fruition now that we are entering into week three of Ken, uh, who who wants to be the speaker of the House of Representatives? And that's like the funny but like terrible thing about all of this, those rabble rousers, if you want to call them that, they had really good yeah. points. Like we all agree, Washington is dysfunctional. Yeah. Like what? Two trillion dollar deficit a year. Bad idea. That came out like that's all bad. Like I know I'm bad at running my own household books, and I can tell when someone else is bad at running their household. Books. Yes. And so it's yes. Like, all right, you were right. How do you fix it? In the old Washington, you would fix it by showing you can govern and then making the pitch to the American people. Oh, look, 
give us the Senate, give us the White House back so we can govern. Yeah. I think their pitch is just derail it. And then maybe from the ashes, we get a Phoenix again, mixed metaphor. Cause yeah, this Congress. Sure. But so that's where I'm truly curious. What was their plan B and C? And you kind of saw it from Gates. He was fine with Scalise. I think he voted for Scalise, then voted for Jordan, now for Emmer. For him, it was literally just anything but McCarthy. Get out McCarthy. Yeah, anyone but you. And you uh, legislate, for lack of a better term, if you legislate through your grudges, who are you actually legislating for? Seems like it's just yourself. And that's, that to me is the legacy of this. Is that we are in a purity driven congressional system, especially in the House, that you have to be the most pure to your cause. Uh, You have to signal harder than you have ever signaled before. You're going to get a lot more attention. You're going to get a lot more money if you do that. And now the symbol for purity is Matt Gates. I am willing to throw our own conference into the ditch and I don't care how it gets out. That's the new, if you're, if you're not there, then you're not trying hard enough. And and that to me is, is the real legacy here. Cause I think we're also seeing it in this conference where now everybody who uh, those, those Biden district moderates yeah. are like, Hey, you want to know what? No more Mr. Nice guy. We got sold out by members of our own party. We got sold out by the, the, the problem solvers members of, of the other party. No, you want to know what? It's time to look out for number one. We're going to vote down anybody we think we're going to uh, have to see a commercial in our in our races. On. And you just kind of you said the name that's the most powerful person in Washington. Because we have a speakerless house, you necessarily have an empowered White House. <laughs> so they literally yeah. empowered Joe Biden, who they're supposedly hate yeah. or whatever. Uh, and especially in. I'm a congressional junkie. I do not like how yeah. Congress over time has ceded so much authority to the executive branch, you know, no matter the president. Yeah. And so here we have Congress ceding so much power because literally this Congress cannot pass a simple resolution saying we support our ally Israel. Like they can't no. pass anything. Yeah. They can't support the local dog walker. And this is America. Well, that's that's the other crazy thing for the Republicans is that and and I've said this before in the show, they've kind of weirdly uh, gotten bailed out by the fact that there's a lot of world news right now, that there's a lot of right. extraordinarily telegenic, extraordinarily passionate world yep. news right now. If this were a more boring time, there would be more cameras, there'd be more attention and there'd be more embarrassment. Right. But at the same time, if there was a speaker, they're in a situation right now where the Democrats are at a juncture about how much they support Israel, especially in the house where some of the most colorful uh, uh, representatives who are very animated, they could be voting every day. Do you love Hamas? Yes or no. And, and watching who votes. Yes. Who votes? No. And who votes present. They could be going on Newsmax and Fox news every single day. They could be running ads over and over and over. And they're not, this is a situation where they had a win and they have done nothing but take one, 
a, a, a foot to it uh, after another. They have they have done nothing but 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 squander okay. it. So, I mean, uh, yet another yet another uh, uh, absolute fumbling of the bag it's for the Republicans. America. But uh, uh, what else would you oh. expect? What right. else would you expect? Uh, Matt, uh, thank you so much for joining us. I know that you have an extraordinarily busy day. You came right off the hill to uh, uh, talk to us. So I, I really, really you appreciate it. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll have you back and on soon. I'll be now back to the hill. So thanks for having me on, buddy. And you're back to the hill. <laughs> there we go. So we just tag you in, you tag it right back out. Have a great day. Appreciate thank you, you so much. And that'll wrap it up for us today. Politics, 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 written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. If you would like to thank Matt Laszlo, you can go to letter P, letter X, number three, guest.com. You want to email the show, it is theyoungamerican at gmail.com. On Twitter, it is px3tweets. For the show, Justin R. Young. For me, follow me live on Twitch, px3live.com. Share this podcast with your friends, family, and clergy at px3podcast.com. If you like to give me a one-time donation to keep this independent show independent, it is paypal.me slash payjury. Venmo is justin-young-20 and cash app is px 3 Cash. You can send me anything in the mail, P.O. Box 1531-84, Austin, Texas, 78715. Of course, the only place that you can get bonus content is TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we miss on our free podcasting schedule. And our $10 tier gets your name right at the end of the show like these five folks in the Titanic. $10 tier. Ye old pinball shop. John, DP4 Bongo, Sam, John, Edwin, Kathy Mack, and Vogue Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Brian, Edison, Jeremy, a dog named Checkers, Sarah Jeannie, Matthew, Dr. G, Neil, his nerdiness, Charles, Darren, Idris Arslanian, Berkeley Steven, Nomadic Terran, Molly's delightful demeanor, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, Dustin, Brad, D-Laser, Nick, just another pilot, middle-aged Mike, Utah, Jimmy, Montana, The Gen, D-Really, Chopper, Andrew, and Adam. What was my mom, Gloria? There we go. Let's make sure that we get Gloria's name on here. Gloria, parenthetical, mom. There we go. We now have her on there. I hadn't written her down, but we're done. All right. On Friday's edition of the program, we are going to have Kevin Ryan making his return to the show. He's going to talk about art and politics. He just wrote a big thing about rich men north of Richmond. Might be saying, wasn't that like five months ago? Yeah, it was. But Kevin Kevin has uh, his own points of view on things, and they take time. So uh, not only did he make a playlist of other songs that shared the same class warfare DNA. I don't even want to put class warfare on there because I know that's part of it, but there's a big rich stew and he's going to talk all about that on Friday. It's going to be a good episode till next time. This is your old pal, Justin Robert Young saying some shows talk about politics. Others talk about politics and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss. Oh, three.
Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.